Hello, and welcome back to Cape First Podcast. I'm your host, Louis. No surname. No surname. <laughs> and I'm joined by my other host, Thomas. We're yeah, equals. we both we we're both equals. just go by yeah we we are equals yeah we um we only go by one name each it's like Cher or Madonna yeah yeah with with that we're we're like the Cher and Madonna of geek podcasts <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but instead of instead of cool interesting unique names we went for Louis and Thomas hey at least just we're still regular. Like virgins. <laughs> Was, was that was that a Madonna reference? Yeah, I was kind of proud of it. But... Uh, oh, we can tie it into you know Mantis. Yeah, Guardians of Galaxy. Yeah, she yeah, is yeah. called um, the Celestial Madonna. Is she? Yeah, she's the Why? Celestial Madonna um, because she is prophesied to give birth to the Messiah of Space. <laughs> Fuck off. Are you kidding me? Is that real? Um, have you seen the Hawkeye series? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did an episode on it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> um, uh, well, Swordmaster. Okay, I forgot that. Yeah. Uh, Swordmaster, that French guy in that show, yeah. he was in a relationship with Manis for years. Oh, shit. Mm. That's quality. Anyway, yeah, comics are weird, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. So the, the point is, we're not talking about Mantis, and we're not even talking about Marvel. We're not even talking about series. We're talking. What today. are we talking about? We, Thomas, are talking about the Hobbit trilogy. Spoke about Lord of the Rings last week. Now we're going to go to the shitter, younger, gooier, ugly cousin. Yeah, it is a bit uglier, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's fake and it's it's. Yeah. This is this is something, right? To kick off, to start off with, and then we'll backtrack. But <laughs> um, straight to the end. <laughs> isn't I always thought that this, that these movies had like a weird, like silvery gleam to them. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like that's they, not they, just me. They felt like a dream rather than an actual film. You know, like it, and, rather than actually being thinking, it felt like a, yeah, like a silver dream. And I think I think the way around that, I think what they try and say is that it's Bilbo writing it. Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> like, that's how they frame it. Like at the start of the um, the film, uh, which I I was never a big fan of this, because um, I get what they're going for, but it felt unnecessary. <laughs> is you have Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings, and he's he's writing in his book. Um, about hobbits and shit, innit? Um, Concerning hobbits. <laughs> exactly. The very chapter of The Lord of the Rings that always puts me off the book. <laughs> so, um, and then he go, like, and then like you see um, you see Frodo and Elijah Wood's there and he's like, I'm going to go surprise Gandalf. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, The Lord of the Rings happened. We know that. Um, but why is he here? <laughs> you know, like, I get that they want... They wanted narration the same way Galadriel narrates the the last alliance of men and elves. Yeah. They wanted that for the dwarves. I get that, but I just I, I don't know. I just have him as the voiceover. Yeah, that's fine. But I just the way he bookends the films, I never really liked. Yeah, it, it does feel a bit strange. Like it's a bit too. Forced. It feels. It makes it feel like a prequel. Yeah, which I mean, which, on, 
which it is, and it's stupid to say that, but do you know what I mean? I mean? Like, it makes it feel, it's not like a piece of art, it's a franchise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, do, do you know Do you know how like, we had this conversation about that Han Solo and how, how Han Solo was, like, so tick-boxy? There was, like, a checklist? Yeah. The Hobbit was a fit, like, okay, like, The Hobbit did have... This, this was a conversation we had in our private lives. Oh, yeah, no, this, don't go listen back, this was no, nowhere <laughs> there, but... Like, <laughs> but if you actually look at it, this is, like, yeah, I'm, don't, don't get me wrong, like, there's some really good parts of The Hobbit, and, like, the score, and obviously, individually, they, they're okay, they're pretty good, but, like, it is very tick boxy, like, to, like... Yeah. Up- Remember Lord of the Rings? Do you, do you remember this? Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Like, oh, Saruman, like, even, even when Saruman enters, you're like, ah, oh. like, they sort of build him, they, they try they, not yeah, to, they... but they still almost build him to be, like, evil, and you're like, but he's not meant to be by this point, you're meant to have him... Like, he's, because they make him, like, an ass, and then there's that scene at the very end of the, we're jumping around, but, um, they, <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of the, the third movie, especially. And yeah. a lot of stuff in between. It's a lot of like, ah, uh, uh, do you remember this? He's oh, gonna, yeah, oh, nearly. <laughs> and like, I think a lot of that. It, it's weird the way you kind of like you relate to media because I remember um, reading. Uh, it's kind of connected to Lord of the Rings. Uh, C.S. Lewis's um, Chronicles of Narnia. Friend of J.R.R. Tolkien. And his he wrote a prequel to his um, Line the Witch and the Wardrobe called The Magician's Nephew. Yeah, and it was the only book of that series I actually read. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, that was good. I'm going yeah. to move on to the next one and just never did. <laughs> um, but in that story, it has a bunch of stuff where I was reading it. I was like, oh, this feels like set up because when you're reading it, there's like someone throws a javelin or a pole or something and that pole grows into the lamppost. And it's like, well, that feels like it's, that feels like it's only here because it knows the lamppost will be iconic in the next one. So it's building it up here to be iconic in the next one. And at the time I thought he'd written that and I was like, oh, maybe that's why the lamppost is iconic (laughs) because it came from this. And then I realized it was a prequel. Whereas these films have kind of flipped it where the the one ring sting all that stuff was introduced in the hobbit originally and yeah. carried over to lord of the rings because lord of the rings came up first or whatever and because the way the hobbit deals with that when he gets yeah. given sting in the book he's, he's just given a weapon because he needs a weapon whereas in this it's like he's pulled excalibur from the stone or something like, yeah it's such like... a big deal and also, right, I, like, now I know this This is, like, a very, very fucking minor detail, right? But it's one thing that's always, and I mean fucking always pissed me off, right? When they did The Lord of the Rings, right, do you know how when the sword glows when orcs and goblins are around, right? Yeah. It sort of, like, slowly glows into the sun, Oh, I know right? the bit you're talking oh, about. Oh, <laughs> don't give me that. Like, but then in the fucking Lord of the Rings, I remember watching it when I was a kid, and the first time I seen it, I was like, but that's, like... Right. Okay. So the bit is he. It's like this, when they go down in Gollum's lair, and the Gollum is smashing the head of that goblin. Right. The sword flickers out. Yeah, it doesn't it's like, like it's, it's like a it's like a battery. light bulb about a yeah, burst. It's like a, it's like a battery power thing, right? But it just always pissed me off because I was literally. But then you've just changed the whole lore of how that sword glows. There's no like. Oh, there's like no. It there's no continuity. It been a... Yeah, and it's just. I think I think the <laughs> the problem with these films stems back to the the origin of how they were going to be made because originally 
this trilogy wasn't going to be a trilogy. Yeah. Um, originally, it was going to be two movies. The first one was going to be called An Unexpected Journey, and the second one was going to be called There and Back Again. And the director of Hellboy uh, and a bunch of other stuff, Pacific Rim, <laughs> shit like that, Guillermo del Toro was going to take over. And clearly... I can see what would have happened because I, th- I it's dead vague about what happened. He was a, he left the project or was removed or whatever happened. These studio things can be a bit weird sometimes because they don't want to come out and go, <laughs> we got into a big fist fight and we don't like each other anymore. A lot of the time it's just creative differences. This yeah. That's the blanket <laughs> statement. Yeah. But I think what Guillermo del Toro wanted to do is if, you, if you've seen any Guillermo del Toro, uh, any... Guillermo del Toro film, um, except Pacific Rim, which is more CGI heavy. A lot of it is creepy, weird monsters. Yeah. Like yeah. Hellboy is a little bit of that with Abe Sapien, the fish guy. Creepy. Um, yeah. And then you get to the second one, it's all weird elf people and yeah. creepy These pale skin freaks. Clockwork elves, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and then, you know, his, his films like. Um, I think he did that, uh, The Shape of Water, I where the woman see. fucks a fish and all that stuff. What? No. Okay. What? <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, it's like this woman's a cleaner at a secret government facility and the secret government facility is, um, monitoring this <laughs> fish man that they've discovered. Um, I, I, I was enjoying it, but I fell asleep halfway through, so I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Um. But it's it's all creepy, weird puppets and animatronics, and it's all it all has a very him vibe. You know, you look at a monster yeah. and you're like, oh, that was designed by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like it. He wanted to add that flavor, that texture to his Lord of the Rings. So the elves would have probably been creepy elf people. The dwarves would have been creepy dwarf people. Yeah, like, which I don't think was the right way to I, go. I, I think if it was being driven by a specific director, it would have been good, but it would have been very jarring to The Lord of the Rings. And clearly yeah. they wanted this, not just another story of Middle-earth, they wanted it the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. They yeah. wanted them connected. Which is why I think a lot of the decisions made after they got rid of him, or after he left or whatever, were like, we're going to redo Lord of the Rings. So you get Peter Jackson back. I don't which know why do he think... came back and did it. I do think Peter Jackson was a good choice to do it um, again. Yeah, I think he was. He was obviously the best choice, but they didn't give him the time he needed. No, and they, they didn't they give him the resources. Him like a fucking milk whore. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you could just say a cow. They're <laughs> <laughs> not cows, Thomas. They're milk whores. <laughs> milk whores. But yeah, because like like we were talking about um, last week. The, the detail that went into all the props, the set design, yeah. the models used for the locations, the the details on the armour and the weaponry and how it was all built. Something we didn't talk about, which I think everyone knows by this point, is that they built Hobbiton. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was a real location. And they built it a year in advance so that the buildings would have a weathered look to them because they'd, they'd have been around through storms and shit for like that year period so that they looked a bit more tangible and real, where they didn't get a chance to do any of that with The Hobbit, you know? See, I think, like, my take on why it was like that is because, from a point of view, like, 
you gotta remember like Lord of the Rings was like this was it. Like they had one shot to make these three films. They had nothing previous to rely on. They had to do the books justice. So like they really had to work for fucking years to try and structure this and make it so perfect. But then by the time The Hobbit came out, they'd already had so much success with Lord of the Rings. They were like, ah, fuck it. People are going to watch it no matter what. Like, it's still going to be like, yeah. a huge, grossing film, no matter what the fuck we do. And I think that's where the problem came. It was almost like, yeah, it's almost like that analogy, like a fight, like an old boxer, like if he's won too many times, he's not going to come out and fight properly. Do you know what I mean, you need yeah, someone that's fucking down on their luck. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And like, I feel um, like that's what they did. Like when Floyd Mayweather took like a fucking 10 million payment just to play around with... Logan oh Paul in the ring. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. But a different, a different episode, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right because I think they were just like, look, if you just, I think part of it was also things like Helm's Deep. That sequence was, it took so long for them to film that because they built all the stuff for real. So then they'd have to film during the dark and. You've got people working like six hour shifts in the fucking soaking wet armor, trying to dry it out yeah. so they can film for the next night, but it's still soaking wet. And you've got all these people, all these extras waving around heavy metal swords and, you know, fucking covered in soaking wet leather armor. That type of stuff, it, it's expensive and could be kind of dangerous. So the next one comes around, well, instead of building all this armor for real, just CGI an army of orcs. Which, okay, fine, yeah, but if you CGI that shit without, you know, adding any kind of tangibility, you get shit like Legolas, Mario oh. jumping up the bricks on that fucking bridge. <laughs> like, and it, it makes oh. it all feel weightless and kind of, you know, too glossy, too clean. Yeah, like, do you know, like, 100% though, they they, they they pushed their luck in Helm's Deep when he slid down with that fucking shield. Yeah, yeah. And then they thought, oh, do you know what? Let's push it one step. Let's, let's see what we can get away with. Running up falling stones. It's like it's like if you're in an elevator, if you jump, you'll survive. Okay, fucking do it. It's just, um, it's a shame because I, th- I think... Everyone says, oh, you can't take a book that small, stretch it into three films. And no, but you can make two solid movies out of it because a lot of stuff happens in that book. Um, it's It's the classic fantasy story. A group of dwarves and a wizard have to go to a mountain yeah. to kill a dragon and get some gold. It's literally every D and D fucking starter. Do you know what I mean? Like... Exactly. It's like the opening quest in Skyrim. It's you know, like you. Every fucking fantasy geek has played that on World yeah. of Warcraft or fucking oh, Runescape absolutely. or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's oh, you playing the old guns there, Runescape. My God. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't know where I pulled that one from. That's okay. Um, wow. <laughs> but like, it's. It's your basic fantasy stuff. And you can tell when reading that that it's the first time this has happened because he's very excited to go to a new location. You know? Yeah. Like, they have an episode with... you. Could, it's like a series because they have the episode with the with the trolls. They have the episode where they have, meet the Goblin King and they're in the Mines yeah. of Moria again or whatever. You know, they have the episode where they fucking meet Bayon and he's a bear man. Which I think they should have stretched on a little bit more because... Beyond's like has a bit more of a a role in the book. Yeah, he's especially um, in the final battle, um, 
Which in always the, pissed yeah, me off in, that they cut. Well, in this one, he is in the final battle, but they treat it like it's Not an Avengers meetup. Yeah, I mean, he's meant to. Yeah, like he's meant to kill the Pale Ox's son. Like he's meant to knock the head off the Pale Ox's son. Like, oh, is he? Is actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it is. Like, or like, he, yeah. I think he knocks the head off of one of the. Um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the Pale Ox son because it's not um, Azog. Like, yeah, because it's I... not the Pale Ox; it's the Pale Ox son because the Pale Ox already dead by this point. Um, the only yeah, because Aragorn already killed him, didn't he? Um, Thorin already yeah. killed him of his wounds. Aragorn, did you say? What did I say? Aragorn. Aragorn. <laughs> that's because that's uh, Thorin basically is Aragorn. Yeah, he's the only dwarf that they didn't give prosthetics to. Yeah. They're like, well, we are, and um, Feli or Kili, whichever one has the relationship. Both, yeah. Um, oh, but um, they're, they're like, oh, we can't, we, we need these dwarves to be sexy, so we yeah. can't put prosthetics on them. Yeah. You, did you know, like, um, the reason... Because I actually Googled this, because I was... When it first happened, I was really pissed off about the um, the Paylock still being in it. Um, but the reason they did it was because, like... And it kind of makes sense, like, storyline-wise, it made more sense to have him coming back. Because if it's just his son, hmm. you don't... There's no, like... There's no hatred there, apart from, like, oh, you killed my dad. But, like, in this, like, oh, he's kills Thorin's dad and then... Th- well, sorry, sends Thorin's dad mad, kills his granddad. And then, like, so it, it, it adds a bit more sort of drama to the relationship. Otherwise, it would have been a bit weak. And I understand that. Yeah. And I, I kind of, like, it, it appeased me at the end when they sort of talked about it a bit more. But I I think it would have been... That's true, but I... Because, I, you you know, you, you want the... Um... You want the hero to have the driving force to kill the enemy and give the enemy a bit more of that, ha, yeah. I'm better than you. Um mm. But I, I think my issue with that storyline mm-hmm. is that it, it they sort of like forget about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. then the minute they get to the mountain, all that you killed my dad, like he doesn't think about the 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 arc or anything. He's just like, oh, gold, and he goes mad for a little bit, and then he's like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, we need to fight a war. Oh, the white orcs here. Okay, I need to kill him. Like yeah. it, 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 that driving. But see, that's like, I think that comes from the fact that they made it a trilogy, though. I think that's a yeah. knock on effect because in the books, and like, I think because they tried to focus too much on too many different, like you said, like they tried to spread it too much onto two different stories. If they had a focused on them getting to the mountain, and then when they get to the mountain, it's like, oh shit, like you can have undertones coming through. But this was like, they made it such a big, big, like, plot point. It was almost there was two plot points and like you said then it's at the end he's just like oh shit yeah I forgot he killed my dad like, yeah. yeah do you know what I mean like yeah it's... but that being said what what I the reason why I think this this could have been two films is the fact that a lot of the stuff with Gandalf and then things that they cut out like Gandalf finding Thor Thorin's dad and all that shit yeah. all that stuff is really interesting to the story yeah. um. Because in the book, a lot of that isn't explained because they just needed a reason for Gandalf to be away. So then the focus could be on the Hobbit solving the problems. So if they'd have just had it in the movie where every now and then Gandalf was like, right, guys, I'm going to take off. (laughs) See you girls later and just (laughs) just leave. Then it doesn't, uh, it's sort of like, it would feel too plot contrived or whatever. Yeah, but. 
Sorry, I, I think have I think having Radagast come in and also giving us yeah another wizard, which is always interesting. Oh, I was so happy when he came in the film. I was very excited. Um, having Radagast come in and sort of like explain to Gandalf what's going on, and it is very um, it, it is a little prequely, but it's prequely in a way I enjoy because it's 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 given what I wanted in the Lord of the Rings, where I wanted. Sauron to have a more tangible um, appearance, yeah. and in this yeah. he is more tangible, but he's clearly still gathering power and gathering strength. Yeah, they even um, show him as the fucking eye again. Do you know what I mean, like yeah. they show him as the fucking pupil. <laughs> um, which I always thought, I always thought it was weird that it's like, why is he an? Eye? I mean, it's 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 weird that he's an eye. In the films, anyway, I don't think he's actually like an eye in the book. Is he not? I I think I can't remember if it was one of the two people I know who was um, massive uh, Lord of the Rings fans. I'm pretty sure they said that like the eye of Sauron is his symbol, but he doesn't have a big flaming eye or something. Um, yeah, basically, Sauron does have a body. Um, in the books, it says that he's got a body that roams the top of the tower um, and stuff like that, and it's heavily implied that he has a body in the books, but. Never really said. Well, there we go. Basically, they, a, basically they can like, um, imply... I think um, they reference him to being like a great eye in the books. And then I think Peter Jackson rolled with that and was like, fuck it, I'll do. I thought I had more time to finish my chicken ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I... I um, that's something I'd have liked to see in the Lord of the Rings is like a physical presence of Sauron there, and I get what they were going for, and I do like it, but there would have, it would have been nice to have some kind of final confrontation with him, because uh, um, he's he's got such a presence in that opening, that opening scene of the Lord of the Rings where he's just swinging around that that mace of his. Oh my god! So it would have been cool to have a confrontation like like that again. So seeing him in this one have like a little wizard duel with Gandalf for a few seconds, I really quite liked. Um, also, Benedict Cumberbatch was the voice of Sauron. What, in The, in the Hobbit? Oh, it's because he was voicing Sauron. Smog, and yeah, I guess so like, hey, we've, we've got another villain, do you want to voice him as well? This <laughs> <laughs> is a bit weird, because like, there was a voice actor for Sauron previously, wasn't there? Was there? Does in he speak the in the other one? Yeah, like, he says, like, yeah, he says, like, little things. Like, not, like, not, like, huge <laughs> monologues, but, like, How are you? Give me the ring! <laughs> <laughs> Come here, wee man. <laughs> <laughs> Shit like well, that. um, I guess it was just, sorry, I'm eating. Um, this is going to sound awful on the recording. Um, <laughs> so bad. I guess it was just because, like, oh, He's doing a villain. We can get him to do another villain. He's here. He's we've got him, we've got him for the day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we've already paid him for the hour. Let's might as well get him to read a couple of scenes. But and plus, if if you wanted to say, oh, there's an artistic reason for it, maybe it's just because you know you've got um, part of the reason why they go to deal with Sauron with this necromancer is because they're worried that Smog will ally with Sauron and. Yeah. Erebor will become a stronghold for Sauron in the um, in kind of the east of the because like 
error bar is just um, if I reference my map. Because I have a map of Middle Earth on my wall, Louis. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I'm actually taking it off the wall to have a look. Yeah, it's like. Let's have a look. Go I on. could have just Googled it. But if you've got a map, use it. So yeah, so so, <laughs> so so Mordor, um, for listeners, um, get your maps out. Um, Mordor <laughs> is like to the south of Middle Earth. Um, south east, yeah. So it's like southeast. It's it's above Haridwaitch. Does that how you pronounce it? Uh, near the the Bay of Belfalas. Yeah, but this is all sounding very proper, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the map myself as well now, just to show him. So, oh. to, so basically, directly north of Morabir. Morabir. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that even <laughs> come from, man? <laughs> it was Mordor, and um, I think it was Moraban. I was thinking er- Erebor. Erebor. Yeah, Erebor there we go. Mordor. So, just north of Mordor, like very north, <laughs> past Mirkwood is uh, Erebor. And the idea was that, I guess that's like the stronghold in the north. Because yeah. something I wish they'd added into this film, even though it would have made no sense, is the battle for the north that happens at the same time as Gondor. Yeah. yeah. Because um, the the guy who becomes king of, of Erebor by the end of this story, I think it's his son, or maybe it's just him, he leads an army of men and dwarves against the forces of the north that are coming down the way yeah. while the men protect Gondor from everything coming from the east and the south. So there's like two battles going on and I kind of wish that instead of having that epilogue where it cuts back to you know, Bilbo from The Lord of the Rings it would have been nice if like when um, when uh, what's his name? Billy Connolly <laughs> the yeah. character he plays it would be nice Day if nine. Billy Connolly, like it was like, oh, and when he was king, his his army was the one that led the battle against whatever, blah blah blah. And you see a bit of that fight at the yeah. same time as going on. I don't know it would have been nice, because um, he became king of both, didn't he? He became king under the mountain and um, the Iron Hills. Yeah, because the Iron Hills are right next to Erebor, and just yeah, below literally. the Grey Mountain, they're like in the middle of three mountain ranges. Yeah, you've got the Grey Mountains, Iron Hills, and yeah, the uh, the Misty Mountains, as they're called. Um, over, yeah. You don't have to sing this. Although that song is a fucking bop. <laughs> oh, oh, I, man, I hated that you used that word, man. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird though, right? That the first Hobbit film is like almost a musical. Yeah, it's really strange. Cause they burst they... out into song several times. In the deleted scene, um, they have that um, banger when they're in um, Rivendell as well. <laughs> that banger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the quality, like the bend the knives, is one of my favourites. Right, bend, bend the knives. I like. Um... But bend the knives, break. The <laughs> no, break. Bend the forks and blunt. Whatever you sing will get done for copyrights. <laughs> Just don't. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that shit. Like. No, you're right. Yeah. Like. I, I do like the songs, it's just... And I get why they included them, because in the actual book, there songs, is poems yeah, and songs and all sorts yeah. of between. So it makes sense, it's just... It's weird to add it in the first one, 
Because there's no songs in the second and third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing that I missed after the the first one. Because the first one, like the actual singing, was pretty good. I was I was quite enjoying the little like the verses they had. But then it just it does just stop. Then it just goes dry. There's no yeah. And there's no explanation to it either. Like even when they get to um, when they get to Lake Town and you see more people and there's more stuff going on. And this is the thing, right? This is what always annoys me, is. They get to Lake Town. They get to the mountain at the end of the second film. I was, and I remember watching it at the time because this is, this was the only one I got to see in, in theaters. I saw. I was excited to see the first one because um, I, when the first one came out, I had just gotten into Lord of the Rings. I'd been like a Lord of the Rings fan for two years, and there was rumors and stuff like the Hobbit was coming out. And now this is when I was getting into like my movie news stuff. So I was like going to my friend who was a big. Um, big you know lord of the rings right now i was like oh they're doing a hobbit film and he was like don't get excited that rumor's out all the time people have been saying that for years which they had been and then it actually happened he was like oh no you were right and i was like ah see i'm keeping up my news and um it came out but i never got the chance to see it um because we're living in quite a rural area and uh so I, I, i just for whatever reason i never got a chance to see it but i did see the extended edition on Blu-ray when it came out because a friend had got it and we sat down and watched that. So I I was dead like <laughs> I couldn't remember what scenes were theatrical because then every other version I'd see of it was the theatrical cut. So I was like, but I remembered the deleted scenes. So I still couldn't tell you which scenes are theatrical and which scenes are deleted. Um, yeah. But for the second one, I actually went on a date to see the second one. Um, <laughs> oh. as a little fucking oh, I must have been like what 14 um, we got driven out to see it because again we live in a rural area so like the, ne- the closest cinema is like fucking 30, 50, 60 miles away you know like, like an hour's drive or some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um, it was uh, you know it was a it was a good film but I remember sat there in the theatre they get to the mountain and I'm like, hang on, there's supposed to be a third film. What the <laughs> fuck's the third film going to be about? And then Smog's heading to Lake Town. He gives his little speech about how he's fire and how he's death and all that. And then it cuts to black and I was like, sorry, they're not just going to make one movie that's just a complete action sequence, are they? And they fucking <laughs> did. That's all the third film is. Yeah. And there's so many, like... Because this is what I was talking about. Like, with Lord of the Rings... um, they they take some stuff out, they add some stuff in, but a lot of the time with Lord of the Rings, they're taking stuff out. They don't add pointless characters. Um, yeah. They'll repurpose characters that are there. Whereas The Hobbit, it adds that mayor guy in Lake Town. Oh, Stephen Fry, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, he doesn't serve a function. Toriel I mean, and Legolas he... get added in. <laughs> oh, I hate. I think that was the worst two that got added in like for the mayor like i under- i can understand what they were going for to give like bad control of a city do you know i mean because then you have like an evil that he has to overcome and like gain the people and then do you know i mean true I, I, they, I, I, they I need to give bad an arc yeah. yeah i can i can understand that but like like last interior they're so pointless like i fucking hate them i i, I just and- I don't understand. It's like I, they were clearly going for like, oh, that these two people fall in love, but they're from they're from tribes that don't get along or whatever. But it's so underbaked, and it's like there's yeah. literally there's like one scene where he's like, 
do you want to do you want to put your put your hand on my cock like that's basically what he's when he's being arrested he's like i could have anything down my trousers and then um like the next scene she's like oh no i love him he's the best he's the greatest and i'm like you you have like spent no time with each other and because he's sick for most of the second film he gets shot by that poisoned arrow yeah yeah like he they don't have like any time they don't have like any conversations where they have mutual interest it's literally just like their most superficial love story and like they would try and make it like a weird love triangle as well because legolas is being all moody because she wants to fuck a dwarf or something (laughs) yeah and then like it's just never it's never mentioned at all ever again it's like it wasn't there was there was nothing in lord of the rings about him like he's yeah, because you'd think he'd be like, oh, I actually fought side by side with dwarves. In fact, Gimli, I've met your dad. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's met Gloin, and Gloin's at the fucking Fellowship Council as well. And they're yeah, not like, hey, do you remember? Do you remember each other? They just, they just, <laughs> no words are shared. And I think, and like, still... it, oh. I would have liked it if because okay, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Thandriel, thank you. He is like Alyssa's dad. Yeah, Legolas is from oh, Mirkwood, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. he is around at this at this time, right? Okay, fair enough. I would have been would perfectly have happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think if you if it was like right, we need Legolas in this movie. It's just it just got to happen. Then if he was like on a council, you know, when they're interrogating the orc. Yeah. If Legolas is in that scene with his father interrogating, and Legolas is like, send me out there, and he's like dead protective of his son or whatever. Then fine, you know, I'd be happy with that. Or maybe like Legolas leaves because he's like, "You're a prick. You're treating the dwarves like shit." So I'm just leaving. Well, I'm, I'm so taking off. I was going to say like you could have like a council meeting to talk about, like they could be talking inward about like whether they should go and help the fucking Lonely Mountain Erebor and shit like that. And then mm. obviously you have Legolas there, and Legolas is fighting the case to go and help because that's kind of what they try to build him up to be anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like I think. Rather than show him as like a cold cunt the whole time. Yeah, because he, he, he is a very different character. He's a much meaner character and he's clearly a lot more... Like, I, it's weird because clearly they're trying to say that his experience in this film about fighting alongside hobbits, or, or dwarves even, he, he developed a bit more compassion for the dwarves, <laughs> which is why he's more open to being Gimli's friend. Because in the Lord of the Rings, Gimli's the one being like, "Fuck you, you're an elf," and he's actually like, "Well, you know, we, you know, it could be, we could be friends. How about that instead?" Whereas in this one, he's like, "You filthy, disgusting, Short bastard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your wife's a goblin. <laughs> yeah, your, your son's an ugly cunt." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it's so over the top. And then there's that bit at the end where Tanjiro's like, "Hey, Legolas." Oh, uh, go find Aragorn. <laughs> and it's just—it's like it's so unnecessarily pointless. Like, I, I he's get, so like, vague as well. He's like, I mean, oh, there's a ranger. You'll learn his real name soon. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Fuck like, off. I mean, and the point, like, and I under—I understand a little bit of why they did it because they wanted to be like, oh, like obviously in Lord of the Rings we know Legolas and Aragorn have met before, but you could have done it. Like, you could have, like. It could have been a council meeting. Again, all of it could have been a council meeting. Like, Aragorn's just there. Or, like, I don't know. Like, in the council meeting, they're like, oh, like, where's your son? He's like, oh, my son's away. Like, I sent him on a trip to meet uh, with a a ranger. And you don't have to have any (laughs) of the characters. You don't need to pay Orlando Bloom fucking millions. All you have to do (laughs) is say, oh, yeah, 
easy way to meet Aragorn. I think that's so much more of a tasteful way to do it than. Oh, you is. have him. <laughs> you have him. Just leave him. If you need Orlando Bloom in, if an executive has got your kids held hostage, and was like, you need Orlando Bloom in this film. You fucking. You have a scene where he's leaving Mirkwood. And they're like, "Where are you going? We've got a water fight." And he's like, "Um." I, I need it elsewhere. There's a guy who needs me or something. You just you have to you have to say something vague about him being needed in the north, and he just fucks off and leaves. You have something like that. But here's the thing, right? This movie, because you know, in in the Lord of the Rings, the book, it's like 13 years that Gandalf is away from Hobbiton when he's like, keep it secret, yeah. keep it safe. He fucks off, and 13 years later, he comes back. Now, in the film. They play it off like it's been a few months, but they they have also said that well it could have been thirteen years. Like we saw, like we didn't say it was thirteen years, but it could have been. Gone this a long way away. So, I mean, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the thirteen year time jump doesn't really make a lot of sense to me anyway. I guess they were like, well, thirteen years by this point, Frodo would have been fully at home at Bag End. It would have been completely his. Um, maybe that's what he was going for. I don't know. Sam um, still has made no move on fucking Rogan <laughs> after 13 years. Like, hey, maybe maybe Tolkien just wanted Sam and Frodo to have 13 months where they could just fuck each other. You know, they could just raw dog each other for like that little period of time and then they go on a, on a quest. Wait, was it but here's the thing. Or 13 years? It was 13 years. Because here's the thing, right? The Hobbit is set 60 years before the start of The Lord of the Rings. So the film is also set 60 years before the start of Lord of the Rings. Now, in The Lord of the Rings, Aragorn is like 83 or something like that. Yeah. In the book, at the time of of The Hobbit, Aragorn's like 13. But you said it was 60 years before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because there's that thir- there's like that time jump. There's like a thirteen year time jump between the start of the Lord of the Rings and oh, then yeah. later on. So in in the book universe, in the book timeline, <laughs> during the Hobbit, Aragorn is like thirteen or something years. He's like dead young. But then that but, would make sense. Yeah, but in the film, that makes no sense because cl- clearly the film is going with the idea that there wasn't that thirteen year gap. Like, because otherwise, Thranduil has just sent Legolas to go hunt for a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, albeit creepy, right? But, I mean, I, I could see the sort of coming-of-age sort of, like, <laughs> teaching him how to, like, fight and shit from Legolas. I think that would be a cool premise. True, but, but I think I get, what they were going it, for is that he's, 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 about, he's about 20 years old and Legolas is going to go yeah. find him in his 20s. But part of me does find it funny <laughs> that Thranduil was like, look, there's... There's this 13-year-old little boy out there. Go find him. There's <laughs> a little boy who's going to make us a lot of money one day. Uh... <laughs> but no, I um, something I, uh, I I do, for the most part, right, I've got a lot of nostalgia for these films. Yeah, same here. I mean, honestly, same here, 100%. Like, I was a massive fan of Lord of the Rings before these, but like this mm. like sparked it again. It and so it was... Much. And it was kind of nice. It was the same feeling I had when the when the Star Wars films came back. It was nice to be part of that, yeah. that excitement for another chapter of this saga that I didn't get to see in cinemas. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's it's like there's new Lord of the Rings coming out. There's this new Hobbit film. There's this hype. You know, there's it's the same visual language. It's the same like the the dwarves and the elves have the same kind of architecture and style into their costumes yeah. and everything. It yeah. feels consistent. Which is why I was so excited for the first one, 
And then I watched the first one. I was like, well, that was all right. You know, like, it's a bit of a weird place to leave it. But excited for the second one. And I enjoyed the second one. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is all right. Oh, you're leaving it there. Okay. And then the third yeah, one, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I, I like that they sort of explain what the five armies are. Because in the book, it's dead vague what the five armies are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like... the idea was that it was it was like... Elves, dwarves, men, goblins, and orcs. Yeah, so the biggest, the biggest like confusion that most people have is that they don't really say, and they don't really show that the goblins and orcs are different. Because if you watch Lord of the Rings, right, Mm. like the difference between orcs and goblins is minute. But when you look at them in The Hobbit, it's such a big difference. Like, yeah, because they, they sort of show goblins in the Lord of the Rings, those creepy bastards who can like crawl on the walls in Moria. Yeah, but even, even then, they're kind of like orcs as well. Do you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's a very fine, fine line that they create in Lord of the Rings. Which yeah, because guess... you, you, you barely see them properly yeah. in the Lord of the Rings. And then for the rest of the Lord of the Rings, it's just orcs. So it's kind of like yeah. your brain forgets that there were those creepy bastards crawling all over the walls in the Mines you'd, of Moria. You'd, re- you'd really have to like listen to the dialogue and rewatch it. But like in this, it's like you do see them. You do see them very differently and clearly. But mm. in the Battle of the Five Armies, you don't see the goblins as much. It is more just the orcs. So when they say the Battle of the Five Armies, it's a bit like, yeah, but you don't show a great deal of the... The goblins, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think like, in the book... Um... The Battle of Five Armies is a battle waged between the Orcs and the Wargs of the Misty mm. Mountains and the Grey Mountains <laughs> against the Lake Men, Elves, and Dwarves. Wait, so even in the film, Wolves are one of the Five Armies? Um... Because that's bullshit, if that is. Because... They're just the mounts. <laughs> it's, it's like Rohan is like, no, we've got two armies. We've got men and we've got horses. <laughs> like, come on. Because I thought it was goblins. I 100% thought it was goblins. Oh, uh, yeah, so and there, there we have it. The five armies refer to goblins, wolves, elves, men, and dwarves. Who is the fifth army? I, I saw that as well, but the, the wolves, that's from an annotated copy of The Hobbit. Oh, uh, what the fuck? Here you go. Like, so... <laughs> there's so many fucking different opinions on this and then they say the five armies are elves, men, dwarfs, goblins and then they put brackets and wolves and then they say and the eagles and that's just <laughs> bullshit because that's they did not like yeah they're an army in their own right but they didn't fucking that's like technically right because they they always do that specification oh like yeah but the eagles help but yeah but the fucking cave trolls help like you're not saying like trolls are fucking helping exactly you know I mean? like, exactly <laughs> ridiculous personally i've always seen it as it was orcs goblins men elves and dwarves and i think in the yep. hobbit film there are Absolutely. two separate armies of orcs one of them could be goblins one of them could be orcs and to me that's how i'm getting because the, the eagles aren't yeah. the eagles aren't really an army i mean they're an army in their own right in like lore and canon and history and shit like that but not yeah but like in, in the, the film, film like 10 <laughs> of them the turn film. up I mean, God, in the books, they're meant to be, like, speaking and shit like that. They're meant to be, like... Yeah, I I remember ages ago, me and, again, our talking expert, <laughs> we were talking about who we'd like to voice the Eagles if they gave the Eagles voices. And I always yeah. thought, probably just because of Aslan, Liam Neeson. Yes, I think he'd be a very good ruler. 
I think Fergus are like leader voice. Yeah, give him the voice of the 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 king eagle, and perfect. Um, but again, I might and just be thinking that because of. I think that'd be good. Strong warrior. <laughs> as a as a female lion. As a female lion, yeah. Uh, female eagle. <laughs> <fucking hell. laughs> struggling. At first, I was no. taking the piss that you just said Anna Hathaway as a female, and then I just put my foot in it anyway. <laughs> Um, but no, I, uh, I, I think something else that annoys me about this film is that they try and make the Arkenstone like the One Ring in this, where clearly they were like, we need a tangible object. Yeah. So the Arkenstone gets introduced up front in the first film. You see it in the second film, and then in the third film, it's like this big sign about who's going to be king or whatever, and you know, like, and and I, I get what they're going for because originally in the book Bilbo pops into the cave he has his little I can hear you scrolling by the way (laughs) (laughs) Bilbo pops into the cave he has his little conversation with Smog which I think was done really well in the film and the idea is that he was just supposed to take something that was the idea was that he'd take something to prove that they'd been that they'd gone and that they'd got something it was just like get a cup or whatever but in this, it's like you have to make, you have to get the Arkenstone, which is ridiculous because then it's like a big fucking mountain of gold, and he's just told, yeah, you got to find this one diamond, without really an, a, an explanation of what it looks like or anything. And the fact <laughs> no, he found sorry. it, I call sorry. bullshit. So the explanation that he is actually given, he's like, oh, but like, how will I know? They're like, oh, trust me, you'll know it when you see it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then just somehow like. Scrambles, he's like, oh, is that a big rock? Oh, is that a big rock? And then this big, the shiniest, oh, it's ridiculous. Boom. And that's, it's, it's also really weird that, like, Smog is, like, giving a big speech about how Thorin's greedy. It's like, but you, you're literally just sleeping on a big pile of gold, like, for no reason other than you like it. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> and they, um, they also, I think in the book, Thorin just goes crazy with, like, greed. Yeah. Like he just gets really yeah. greedy and then he feels really bad about it afterwards. But in this one, they make it like the gold has like a magic curse to it. <laughs> yeah, like a dwarven curse. Yeah, and there's that really weird... Si- also, like, fucking... The, the CGI it? in this gold film isn't great. Or something. Yeah, the, uh, dragon sickness, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. But here's the thing that annoys me. <laughs> they melt yeah, the gold down <laughs> and it is just the colour of gold. When you melt gold down, and it's fucking hot. It doesn't just look like gold. Yeah. It looks like red hot metal. Also, also a bit that really annoyed me. They burst it like a balloon. Like yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like the outside hardens and then it like pops. Like, like a little like because like the the statues formed and it's all <laughs> shiny and gold and then just pop a little bit like it would the minute that that minute that stone thing comes off it would have just. You know, liquidized. It would have just fall on them. It wouldn't have set. It wouldn't like like a little burst and then whatever. And then the they like then... it like lands on him and then sets perfectly even. And then he bursts out the ground again. And it's like, what was he just like lying there for a couple seconds for dramatic effect? And apparently, and apparently, it's all buoyant because Thorin could fucking go down a go down a stream on a shield. You know I mean? Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. And what's also like that whole thing. None of that's in the book. None of that's in the book because they were clear like, well, look, in the actual in the actual book, they just kind of they wake the dragon up, the dragon goes and attacks Lake Town, 
Bard comes in and kills the uh, the dragon with his trusty black arrow that he always finds or whatever it is. <laughs> it's not a big metal bolt or anything. Um, and it isn't like from his dad who failed to kill a dragon. <laughs> they, yeah. like they tie it in with this. No, it's none of that. It's just an arrow he has. Kills the dragon. Dragon's dead. And then the the dwarves like, well, now that that's dealt with, we'll just <clears throat> we'll just stay in the mountain. They don't do anything. They wake it up. They get a bunch of people killed, and then they stay in the mountain. So in this, they're like, oh, we should give them an attempt to kill the dragon. Okay, fair yeah. enough. But do something. It doesn't. They don't chip it. They don't fucking injure it. It's not even like they're responsible for the gap in his armor. They don't do anything. It's pointless. That whole sequence is pointless. And then at the end, they're like, oh my god, what have we done? Well, we'll just see how this plays out. <laughs> the start of the next film, the dragon's tearing the town apart. People are running and they're all, everyone's dying. And fucking Bilbo and that just sat on the rocks like, oh, this is a shame. <laughs> what, what, what a nightmare. <laughs> and I get that they can't run, you know? But you'd think maybe some of them would try. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way, the, the way that whole thing plays out, it's like... It's you can only do so much because it's ridiculous in the book. It's ridiculous in the book that they don't do anything, but like some of them should have been like, no, we need to go help. We should do something. They should have been more act. Like, they should have been more like active in that part of the story, other than oh, we'll just let them uh, let them deal with it. Um, yeah. What do you think of uh, Radagast? Um, by far one of my favorite characters. Um, I like. I mean, I, I think it was a, it was a bit weird the bit with the spiders and the fucking death of the forest and shit. That was a really yeah. weird scene. Um, maybe a little bit unnecessary. Because um, they were, I, I they were clearly, I think, what they were because that's in the first film, isn't it? Yeah, they're trying to show like Sauron taking over like bits of the forest and like. But I also out. think, I think they were trying to do there the same trick that they did in the first in the in the Lord of the Rings, where. You get teased about Gollum for the first film, and then you meet yeah. him in the second one. And I think in this one, they were like, we'll do the same with the spiders. We'll tease the spiders in this <laughs> yeah. one, and then have them in the next one. Um, but that whole sequence is a bit weird, because it's like... I know, it just it like never comes up again. <laughs> it's just a bit... I, I just genuinely find it a bit pointless, and I get like... It kind of introduces him as being this nature lover and shit like that, but like it, it does kind of feel a little bit... A little bit forced and a little bit, well, shit in a way, really, do you know what I mean? Although I am, it was really weird seeing that actor in a big blockbuster, because that actor is Sylvester McCoy, who played the seventh Doctor in the 80s. Yeah. And he's not really been in anything big since, and I think he was cast in this role because Peter Jackson is a big Doctor Who fan, and he liked Sylvester McCoy. And another little fun connection, in the seventh Doctor era... I think it's a, it's actually his first story of his last season before the show was cancelled. Um, it's like an Arthurian story where Arthur is actually from another universe. And when he meets the Doctor, he's like, he calls him Merlin because in his universe, the Doctor is Merlin. Oh, so yeah. Sylvester McCoy has That's technically cool. played two wizards. He's played Radagast and technically <laughs> Merlin. And I found that kind of fun. But no, I... Um, I I do like a lot of the Gandalf stuff, and I do. I am a big fan of like when they all team up at the end to fight the Nazgul. The Council, the White Council. Yeah, yeah. and you have Elrond and uh, Galadriel oh, and. Seeing Elrond I... fight was cool. It was 
very it was cool. so fucking cool because you get a bit of it in that prologue yeah but not a, just a little like, bit i mean but it's mostly yeah, him screaming yeah i was gonna say do you actually see him like swing because you see him like come back from the swing yeah i think you see him like mid stride but you don't actually see him like fighting stuff you just see him on the field of battle so it was cool seeing him yeah i kind of wished that and i know this is ridiculous and like completely pointless but i kind of wish we got a scene of elrond galadriel and thranduil like the three rulers of the the elf kingdoms that would have been cool would have been cool but then again like a little bit yeah yeah um, I also, uh, this is a, just for my little collecting brain, I like that we get a proper look at the rings given to yes. the men, to the dwarves yes. even. However, um, I did look to find them because obviously like, we were going to start that collection. Um, I can't find the dwarven ones ever, anyway. Yeah, you have to, um, I think I think if you like, Google Thraw's ring, you can find like cheap versions on Amazon. And I think they yeah. did release it as merchandise when it first came out, but obviously it's a very niche thing. Not a lot of people are going to buy, you know, that particular ring. It's not as popular as the One Ring, but it was it for me personally. Seeing that design actually on screen, I was like, "Oh, cool!" But I think you only see it in the extended cut as well. Yeah, yeah. You I do. think all that you stuff do. with Thraw is just in the extended cut. So making merchandise based yeah. off a deleted scene isn't really, you know, going to be profitable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, who would you say your favourite character in the Hobbit trilogy is then? Well, this is this is actually something I was going to talk about. Who are the dwarves? What do you mean? Like, if you had to, if you had to pick a dwarf, I'm I'm, I'm going to send you a picture of one of the dwarves, and I want you to give me its name. Well, I know you've got um. Dwalin Balin, Philly Killy, Ori Nori Dori, Biffa Buffa Bomber, and I think that's all of them. I, I I know what the names are, but I could not put... Okay, okay, test me, test me, test me. Right. Send me a name on Facebook. I'm going to send you a picture. This must be very interesting for the listeners. I'm sending you a picture now. That's Ori. Oh, you're right, you're right. Fucking hell, fucking hell. See, because I, I never... um. Throughout the entire series... Oh, fucking hell, that... I was about to send you one that just has his name in the corner. <laughs> Have you got them out now? Are you are you Googling them? Who's that one? That's Dory. No, no, that's Oin. Is that Dory? No, the one I just sent you. Yeah. That's Oin. Oh, is that Oin? Yeah, that's Oin. Oh. Well, I've sent, I've sent you two. Oh. Yeah, you've Ori and Oind. No, the first one was Dory. Oh, I said Ori. Oh, right. Well, there we go. Mm. See? Yeah. <laughs> My point <Yeah>. proven. <laughs> and yeah, it's like... just, like, I think the problem is that they they sort of give up introducing the characters. Because in the start of the film, you get a couple dwarves come at a time. You get, like, Dwalin and Balin, they turn up first, and you get a couple more, and then the rest of them fairness, just. Go ahead. And well, go ahead. I'll, I'll finish what I was saying. Um, the rest of them just fall through the door, and then later on, Gandalf is counting them, and he he names the ones we've already met, and then off the top, and then he just like does the rest of the top of his head, and he doesn't like introduce the rest of the characters. Don't get a proper introduction, 
And I think it's a shame because you have like really good character introductions for Boromir and Legolas and you know who those characters are and you give them a personality. But the dwarves in The Hobbit don't have the same thing. And I think the actors felt that way. The Fellowship felt like a fellowship. The actors have talked about this. Whereas in The Hobbit, the actors who play the dwarves said that they that sense of brotherhood was gone by the second film. But like what I was saying, like the like the actual the way that the Hobbits enter in The Hobbit is accurate to the books. Like they did come in like that. It was like about six fell through the door at one time. I get. What yeah, that is about, accurate. Like, but I just I th- I think they should yeah. have had a moment where you you got to meet each of those individually then. I mean, they kind of did little bits like you met Gloin obviously more in the forest. Um, you met Biffer and Boffer a bit more, especially Biffer when it was through the, I uh, no no Boffer sorry but, uh, in the cave system, and obviously he has that good relationship with Bilbo throughout mm. it. Uh, Philly and Killy, I, I mean, I always get mixed up with them anyway. Yeah, um, and I, I think, think I think I think it's more the Oin Gloin and the Orinori Dory. I think that it was them five. That they just kind of gave up on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. I think it, it is because that the names all rhyme. Yeah, and you need so you need to make them more distinct because they have such similar names. But I think the films were just more focused on Gandalf, Bilbo, Thorin, Feely and Keely, kind of, and then you know get to the second one, Legolas and Toriel are introduced, <laughs> and they also become main characters. And you've got Bard as well. There's such a big cast of characters. They didn't need to add more characters in, but they did it anyway. And then the characters that were part of that story from the get-go kind of just get left as side characters. Yeah. And I think it's a credit to the fact that, you know, with... Um, it's a credit to Martin Freeman's performance as Bilbo that at the end of the film, when he's saying bye to the dwarves, there's only a couple of the dwarves that I, I know the names of, and there's only a couple of the dwarves that I feel like I know as actual characters. But when he's saying goodbye to the dwarves, uh, I, it makes you... you know It, it gets happy. to me. There's emotion there. And I think the fact that it's based on characters I don't really know, and I've not really—I don't feel like I've got to know of the cost of these three films. The fact that the goodbye still had weight to it shows that he's a pretty good actor, I think. <laughs> yeah, but if I if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be uh, Bilbo. Yeah, that's fair. That's what about fair. you? Who's your favorite? Um, it's probably like from reading the books, like. The, the character that always stood out to me was Theron, but obviously maybe not for the films because they don't. Yeah, really, he wasn't what I imagined him looking like. I imagined him looking more human-like in his human form rather than like a that. Man. That I mean? actor, um, I know exactly what you mean because that actor is um, in. Um, he's the he's the the Norwegian guy in Sex Education. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's um, who who dates uh, Gillian Anderson or Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Um, you are you having a are you having a quick look? Yeah, I forget it's his name. But the way he looks in Sex Education, Michael I can't Campbell. remember his name. It'd be like Mikael, won't we? If it's Norwegian, Mikael Perisbrandt. Yeah, sure. But the way he looks at the way Mikhail Pearsbrand or whatever, um, great actor, I love him, so I just can't pronounce his name. Is he Swedish? 
Um, well, the way he looks in Sex Education is how I pictured him looking in uh, <laughs> in the book. So it's weird that they had the guy and then went, no, we're going to add like weird facial hair to him and, yeah. you know, kind of like add a bunch of prosthetics. Because even though he just turns into a bear, we're going to make his human appearance look as much like a bear as possible. It just really didn't make sense, did it? Like, Here's, here's a funny detail. My Lord of the Rings expert, my friend, he um, he gets annoyed by the Hobbit book. Because in the chapter when they go to Bayon, they sleep in his house for like three nights. And yeah. he says in the book, there's this scratching noise happening at the door that keeps waking up... Um, Bilbo. And it happens every night they go to sleep, there's that scratching noise, next night scratching noise, third night scratching noise. And apparently the book never explains what that scratching noise is. Now I don't remember that scene from reading the book myself. I don't remember that either. But apparently in the in the book he read there's a scratching noise at the door and it's never addressed. And he was like he was excited to see Bayon in this film because he was like, Oh, it's they'll explain what that noise is. And it never happens. And he was like, well, what the fuck was that noise? <laughs> Why won't anyone tell me what the noise was? Are you sure he just didn't have a mental breakdown when reading it? Yeah, because I've, I've, I, if, um, if anyone listening to this, if there's anybody out there, if you know the bit that he's talking about, please let us know. Because I've, I've no fucking clue. Um, oh my God, I can't believe that. That's such a cool little detail. That'd be so creepy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the implication is it's Bayon. But the fact that it's never explained, it was always a bit like, what the fuck was that supposed to be? Um, but no, I, I, to be honest, right, I do like these movies. But part of me feels like the reason it's a trilogy and the reason there's extended cuts is just because they were trying to emulate The Lord of the Rings rather than be their own thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, because they've already added so much shit into these movies to get it at, like three movies that are each two and a half hours. There's no reason for there to be an extended cut of each film. And the only one that I think has an extended cut that makes sense is the second one, because it adds in all the stuff with Thraw. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that is like, other than that, you've got that car chase. That's stupid. There's a fucking car chase in a Hobbit <laughs> film. Like, what? And it's on, like, a frozen lake. And I was watching that, and I was like, oh, I guess that sort of explains how, how the dwarves get from there to there yeah. but in the theatrical cut they cut away to some other people fighting they cut back to them and they're on top of this tower and because they've established that Azog is on top of that tower already it makes sense they've gone up there to get him to fight him like, fair, like <laughs> you don't need you don't to need see them the get way. there yeah like you've already explained it it would be kind of funny um, if they just, rather than a car chase, they just had them just climbing very slowly like, out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> it's like helicopter footage of the actors <laughs> physically climbing. All the old men and fucking old thespian actors climbing <laughs> up a fucking Kiwi hill. But I, uh, but no, I, I, like I do, there is some like, there's some overbloated stuff in these films, but I do have like a bit of, I don't know, nostalgia around them i do really enjoy them yeah. and like i i when i watch the lord of the rings i do like i'm like oh you know i i'll watch the hobbit why not um <laughs> and then i watch the hobbit i'm like i should just stuck with the lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> if um <laughs> uh if you had to um peter jackson's come to you like we like we talked about with the last one 
Mm. Peter Jackson's coming to you like, we're actually releasing another extended cut of The Hobbit. And I'm sure we have to add something in. Uh, you get to decide, though. What would you add in? Oh, what would I add in? Um, I'd probably add in a little bit about... I'd, I'd add like a little flashback scene about Bjorn's past and more Bjorn scenes. Um, purely because I think like... Yeah, I just think they, they didn't build him up enough and like they didn't no, that, show him enough. That makes sense because I'm pretty sure every Lord of the Rings film opens with like a flashback. Yeah. yeah and I and think I mean, every... Does every Hobbit it, film do it? Um... So a flashback at the start of the third one because at the start of the second one, it's to do with um, they're in there's the bar, that. Isn't they? Yeah. They're not fucking in. It, does the first one have a flashback? Well, it has the um, the the prologue the about the um, the. I guess the whole film is the flashback. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, does the third one have a flashback? I don't know if it does. How does the third one... I think the third one just opens up with Smog destroying the city, doesn't it? Yeah. Smog. How do you pronounce it? Smog. I've always pronounced it Smog. Smog. <laughs> smog. Smog. What do you think uh, of the dragon design? I loved it. I like, I I thought it was really fucking good. Like, I, lo- I love giganticism in films, like Godzilla, King Kong. I just thought it was brilliant, like, having this huge fucking hulking monster, like, especially when it was next to Bilbo, having this huge mm. wings and, like, talons and shit. I just thought it was really good. I think, like, I, I, I thought the design they did very well. Looked a bit See, like Benedict Cumberbatch as well. <laughs> yeah, they added his features in. See, I agree with that, but I, I also think that... Oh, that was loud. What was it? It was something on your end. Oh. You're moving stuff again. No, I'm literally. I, I was just talking. You're clicking it. stuff. <laughs> no, promise. We're breaking stuff. I mean, Fuck you, dude. I'm, I'm not sleeping, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I do like the design. <coughs> Sorry, but I, I shut the fuck up. I, but I think they've changed the design from film to film. Um, because the dragon that's a firework. In the in the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, in the first one. Is supposed to be smog, yeah, smog, as they call it, yeah. Um, and then the, the, the design is different. Parts for hundreds of years, <laughs> <laughs> it, that bit exactly. But also at the end of an unexpected journey, the dragon is um, is buried under gold, and it's like a little tease that all oh, the dragons come in, blah blah blah. Yeah, and I, the way the nose is positioned to the eye underneath that gold is like different to the way it is in the second film. Which makes me feel that, that even though they're being released year being released year after year, that they hadn't finalised a bunch of stuff. Which yeah. is another little thing that kinda of makes me go, Ah, oh, this wasn't finished. You made they an unfinished care. thing. They yeah. Didn't care. That was, that was but weird. I th- I think they did, because Peter Jackson obviously he loved this world and he was a big yeah. clearly he loved the Lord of the Rings, I think he loved the Hobbit. But clearly they just weren't given the time or the resources to create something at the same level. I should have rephrased that. He cared. The studio didn't care. Exactly. Like, the people that were pumping it out didn't care. He obviously, yeah. No, I agree with that. He definitely cared. Um, and it's, I, do you, would you have liked to have seen another film done by Peter Jackson in this universe? 
Yes, and I was actually thinking about this earlier. I'd like to. <laughs> Sorry, I should have. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Aragorn's life. I'd, I'd have liked to have seen pre-everything. Like, having, like, a coming-of-age film where he hears about that his, like, obviously... Like, basically, from when, like, from when he was a kid, growing up, and then, like, you see him meet Legolas... Maybe not Orlando Bloom, because I think he's a bit past it now, but, like, CGI's face on someone, a young bloke. And then, like, you see him... Because I'd love to see, like, where he was, what he was doing. Like, I think he's so, like, sh- shrouded in mystery in the cinematic universe. So I think, like, mm-hmm. that's... You have him meeting Aragorn. You have him meeting Legolas. You see him doing ranger shit and just, like, killing folk up north and learning his trade and shit like that. And then, at the end of it, he literally goes off to the council. Well, not the council, but to go find Frodo in Dale. Like you, you finish it as the hobbits walk in or something like that. But true for me, that's see, what I'd like to see. I, I, that could be good, and I think there is like, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the book the unfinished tales, which is like a bunch of stories that Tolkien had just wrote that were then put together. I think there is stuff about Aragorn. I think he he went on a mission to like interrogate Gollum about the One Ring. I think. Um, <laughs> There's there's like a bunch of stuff about his life pre Lord of the Rings that you could adapt. Uh, people have always said like because it's like the next big book in the Middle Earth universe. Uh, people are always like oh they should adapt the Silmarillion, and I think yeah. every person yeah. who says they should adapt the Silmarillion doesn't know what the Silmarillion is. <laughs> they just know yeah. it's the other Lord of the Rings book um, because it's it's more of like a Bible or a collection of stories set in Middle Earth. You could do like a series on it. And have like each season being a different chapter and shit like that, or like a different age. Yeah, you you could. I think, I think that's kind of what this series is going to be about because there's there's a new, um, we mentioned it last week, the new Middle Earth show, the the Rings of Power. Clearly, it's going to be, or at least I sort of what I assume it's going to be, what I kind of hope it's going to be, is like a, a sort of political story around the creation of the Rings of Power. Um. Where Sauron, you know, creates these rings and he manipulates the leaders and powerful figures of these three races to take them with the intention that when he builds his control ring and puts it on, he will have control of these powerful people and be able to yeah. spread his influence across the world. His control ring. <laughs> well, that's what it is. It's like he, he builds yeah. that ring so he can have control of all of them. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but I think it's um I think it's going to be interesting to see that story play out. And you know, the, it looks like they are using some of the visual language and I guess it would have been nice to have that consistent if you use the same actors and you you have Peter Jackson involved. Because you know, he, he had such a big influence in in how this universe looked. And I think some of the visual language is carrying over. But I, I, in terms of an, having Peter Jackson himself direct another film in this universe, I think if if we're talking about the Silmarillion, really the fall of Gon, uh, the fall of Gondolin could be a fun story. That'd be good. Um, See, I uh, I thought, and I hundred percent thought you were going to say. Um, something about blue wizards. <laughs> oh yeah, that. But I, I don't, I don't think they're in the Silmarillion. I think they're in like the oh, appendices no. and stuff no, no, like no, that. No. I mean, I like, like, if you, sorry, if you I, were going to adapt something from the Silmarillion, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, oh, okay. I thought you meant like 
something from um, like another Peter Jackson film. But I was just I I was saying that like if if Peter Jackson was to adapt something from the Silmarillion, oh, I'd want it yeah. to be uh, the Fall of Gondolin. But if we're just talking about any, if anything in Middle Earth is up for grabs and Peter Jackson's directing it, I'd absolutely love him to do something with the Blue Wizard. Just because I would want to see, I mean, you can't really do it now because Christopher Lee has unfortunately passed away. But I think it would have been really cool to see the five wizards all together on screen. I'd have been cool. And I'm, I'm so intrigued by the Blue Wizards because, I mean, they finally got named because I, I, I don't think the names of the wizards have been revealed when. Um, when the Hobbit came out, because he says I've forgotten their names. Yeah, yeah very, very and obvious I, cop out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was either the names hadn't been revealed yet, or they didn't have the rights to the names, which are Alatar and Palando are the names of the other two wizards. Um, but I, I, either way, it was cool to have them referenced. I, I really because they went off into the east and they did weird stuff over there. No one knows what it is. I'd love to see that adapted, and you know there's a couple like references and stuff here and there of them, but and I kind of hope they are in this show. But if someone's like UK, yeah. Pete Jackson's going to direct another Lord of the Rings film, you get to pick what it is. I'm like, ah, he's, he's doing the Blue Wizards. <laughs> he can suck my cock if he's not. <laughs> and I, I'd call it like Tales of the Astari or something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, I. I, but I, I think his his hands are kind of done, washed of this universe. Although he does yeah. like teasing people. There was a video he did where he was talking about how he'd love to direct an episode of Doctor Who. And it never worked out. And it's just because budget-wise they couldn't... He was like, I, I don't know... I, I, the only thing I want to be paid in is a Dalek. Give me a Dalek to take home and I'll do an episode. <laughs> but obviously he thinks... Exactly. But obviously the stories he'd want to tell... They're not going to be able to, you know, do it to his scale. So I don't think it ever worked out. But in the video of him talking about directing this Doctor Who thing, there's a copy of the Silmarillion like on his desk with like notes in it. Okay. Right. And people were freaking out like he's directing the Silmarillion. It's like no, that's just him joking around. Like he also did the same thing when he was talking about the Hobbit, where there was a book. It was like a thing underneath his table, and it was like the next Star Wars script. Oh, and really? he was like being like, "Oh, I'm gonna direct Star Wars," and everyone's freaking out about that. And obviously, he didn't. But that was—that's just the type of shit he likes to do. It's kind of funny, though. Yeah. Um, but no, I—I—I I, I don't know if I'd want to see him direct something like this. Um, I think I think I'm happy with what he's given, and yeah. I think he's also kind of done with because like after, and I think he got he got a lot less hate about these films that George Lucas did about the prequels. Yeah. Because for years everyone was saying that George Lucas ruined the prequels, even though he created all of Star Wars. And now people are like, George Lucas should come back and say Star Wars. It just shows that people don't actually know what they want. But I think people were, were aware that it was the studio that pushed this and kind of forced yeah. him to do certain things. And like, it's weird looking at the whole... This project started off as Guillermo del Toro doing The Hobbit and it was going to be a two Guillermo del Toro films... And over the course of a few years, it mutated into a clone of The Lord of the Rings yeah, with doing, three films and extended <laughs> editions and everything. Sorry? No, 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 I, I was agreeing. No, I was agreeing. Ah. Um, I just didn't hear what you said. Uh, 
but yeah, so it's just it's weird to see that kind of transition, and I think it's such a shame because it's it clearly wasn't the plan. People clearly weren't happy with it. Even behind the scenes, people were annoyed at what they were doing and the way they were having to make this film. Well, yeah, look, I mean, so, McKellen is like a real, real like, yeah, exactly. example of that. Broke down crying because of the way they had to film the dwarf stuff. And then like even like the executives <laughs> have all talked about how fucking... Sorry, that makes it sound like they were molesting the dwarf. It wasn't just the dwarf stuff. It was like the whole point of it being on a green screen. Not like yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the fact that it was not like yeah. they were abusing the dwarfs. <laughs> but no, they, instead of doing like false perspective, like they had done, they just had him sit in a big green room. And I think like it's uh, yeah, that sounded awful the way I said that, didn't it? <laughs> but I just it's I think on that level alone, I have a lot of respect in admiration for these films because they yeah. you know they were sort of they were essentially held at gunpoint to make these and the fact that they came out with any credit to them at all yeah. is good enough to me to be honest the fact that like Martin Freeman is so well cast as Bilbo did you like him as Bilbo yeah I, yeah I think he I think he did a really good job I think he has that I mean he's playing the same kind of characters that he's always played but there's a bit more of like a hero to him. There's a bit more kind of, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of wish, and this is very George Lucas. I kind of wish that they'd go back to the the Lord of the Rings, and that scene where Bilbo picks up the ring, mm-hmm. change it to the one in the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would have been. You know, like how they did where they put Hayden Christensen in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I a bit know. much, but I'd, 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 I'd like it. If they could I do it for know. just me and me alone, please. <laughs> Release one copy. I'll do it with my own copy. I'll, I'll find a way to fucking get a 4K disc of that film and edit the scene and transfer it on and have it as my own very special copy of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I wish I would. I'm more likely I'll pay someone to do it because <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be very impressed if you edited, <laughs> lot, edited part of a lot of the film. Um, but right, do you have any uh, other questions? Any other comments? It's not an interview, mate. I'm, I'm not like editing about this fucking film. Do you have any? Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Is there anything else that you want to mention? No, I mean, like, I think the only other thing was like the difference between like the actual filming methods obviously but then we like, we kind of touched on that like the obviously it being largely green screen like yeah they, they did do like that false perspective a little bit with um obviously they did i think they had trenches to do some of the perspectives for um they dug little trenches where obviously the tall like the, the dwarfs would walk alongside gandalf and shit like that but like mm. apart from that that was in a studio that wasn't like like I, what one of the things they actually had for lord of the rings was a giant copy of the ring they actually had like a, like a huge scale. Oh yeah, I've heard of so this. That, like, and I think the scene when they're off the mountain and the rings in the snow and they zoom in on the ring. That's that's like huge. That's 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 like the size of like somebody's chest or something like that. And it's like they use that for yeah. It's really interesting. But yeah, because it's like the the close up shots where the ring is like in the snow or in the grass or something. Yeah. They have like larger ones, so you get the proper shine. You know, you get the proper like golden look to you get it. The detail into it so I mean, like, so, yeah, I, like, whereas in in this film in the hobbit the arkenstone is just a big cgi block 
Yeah. All of it's CGI, mate. Like, everything is just green screens, and it's a shame. Like, it's... It doesn't have the it same... It is a shame, you but... You can it, see it doesn't have the same feel to it as the, as at, the Lord of the Rings does. At the same time, and I can't explain this, but there's a certain kind of, like... There's a certain feel to this, and it is probably just purely nostalgia. It's probably like me going, ah, oh, I remember when I was 15 watching these for the first time. But there's, there is a certain look and feel to, like, Erebor, to to the dwarves, to the weapons they use, yeah. that I, I I think it is because a lot of it is carried over elements from The Lord of the Rings. A lot of those stuff that I do enjoy, and it's the scenes where they're going in a big fucking... That river scene where they're just bouncing around like Mario characters or sliding around on gold. Those are the moments that pull me out of it. But when it's, like, the characters talking... yeah. Like like James Nesbitt's dwarf, I think I think he's Oh, he's brilliant. I think he's Biffer he's, or Buffer. But boffer. he he's really good. He's my favourite dwarf. Yeah, I like Dwalin, but, but I can't remember which one that is. <laughs> Dwa- Dwalin's Starring's right hand man. He's the one with the Mohawk, the black haired one. The one with the, the black haired oh right. Right. I the thought it was the um I thought it was the bald, big, beefy one. I or is that Balin? No, that is Dwalin. That is Dwalin. He's got black black hair as well. He's got bald patches, but he's got black hair. Ah. As well. it, was, it was that one. <laughs> you know, all the... Um, fun fact, all the dwarf names were taken from Norse poems. Oh, were they? I think, it's a, I think it's actually a Norse poem about dwarves, and he just lifted the names and transferred them over. That's Which cool. is why Gandalf is called Gandalf. That is also the name of a dwarf. Um... I think oh, Tolkien's, I Tolkien's talked about how he's always regretted using Gandalf as the name because linguistically it doesn't make any sense. Because he's a dwarf. Which is why he's given Gandalf so many names over the years where he's tried to, in his own mind, linguistically <laughs> explain why Gandalf is called Gandalf. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess that's everything then, Louis. Yeah, I think that's been very good. Are you excited for the the Rings of Power? I'm very excited for the Rings of Power. Yeah. Are you excited to talk about it on this podcast? No, never, never. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a long time because I think we should do it. We should talk about it when it's wrapped up. So, I think it's like November. It wraps up. Oh my god! So yeah, well, that's like that's a long, long time away. But we could be dead by then. Yeah. What do you want to tell the the listeners at home what the next one is? Oh, yeah, um, next, uh, you said that like I was a little boy, like I was a little urchin. Go on, uh, <laughs> tell your story. Uh, well, we're kind of doing like a trilogy of fantasy trilogies, um, sort of. Uh, we've had two very linked ones, and the next week, kind of still a fantasy, a trilogy, I guess. We're oh, doing uh, Parts of the Caribbean. Is it? Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's an Orlando Bloom trilogy! We've done the Orlando Bloom trilogy. A trilogy of Orlando Bloom trilogy. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. I didn't even. I didn't even clock that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Next week, and we won't probably mention the other two parts of the Caribbeans, but we're focusing on the first three mainly. I can't Um, believe that we've done a trilogy of Orlando Bloom trilogies. Oh, that's me. I hope he's in Fantastic Beasts as well. Just pops up. He's a background character in each one. 
Oh, oh perfect. Well, uh, yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to see us out, Louis? Yeah, what do I say? Um, just say what's ever in your heart. Um, as long well, as it's not us. racist. <laughs> well, that's us for tonight, folks. Apart from all you now, So that's us for tonight, folks. We covered all three Hobbits and all three of the Lord of the Rings in two weeks. Enjoy, and we will see you next week on the Cape Fur Podcast. If if we could afford the license, and if I could be bothered, this would be a perfect time to have Billy Boyd's last goodbye song play out. That'd be incredible. Can we not just do it anyway? Nah, we'd probably get sued. We'd get a season decision. And plus, I'd have to, I'd have to add it in. I can't be fucked with that effort. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you could sing it. You could sing it. <laughs> you could sing it for us. It is my favourite of all the songs. Uh, I forgot how it goes, but yeah, hundred percent. It's like it's the one. It makes me tear up. It makes me so sentimental about friends and fucking everything. Man, it makes me like yeah. It's it's the only bit of music from these films that I remember um, I think I don't think the soundtrack is as memorable because it's mostly filled of a, a lot of the music in these films is just music from the Lord of the Rings I think um, no I, well to be fair like they, they had like undertones but like they did do like a completely new score for it um, it's, it obviously sounds very similar um, very very similar yeah but I, I I think they, like they did write a new score, like Howard Shaw did do a completely new score for it, and they do have, they are individual pieces that have been partially oh. written. They have like undertones and slight themes that they tried to track back into it, but like, That's good. like the Pale Ock has like, the Pale Ock and all them, all of his cronies have their own sort of like theme and shit like that, and then obviously the dwarfs have the theme as well. That's like, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is changed, but it's, it's, I just, I guess, what I'm thinking of is there's moments like when Thorin stands down the, uh, the pale orc at the end of the first one. They just use the ring wraith music from <laughs> yeah. Fellowship of the Ring, like, and there, yeah. I know that there's there is bits of me. I mean, the, the the first one's a musical, you know, so <laughs> they've come up with some new original music. Yeah. But there's there's clearly not that same because I think that song that they use is like a poem about the Nazgul, and they just use it for. Thorin, like there's clear that there's not that same attention to detail. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. See you next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> For the next installment of the Orlando Bloom trilogy, trilogy. <laughs> the trilogy, trilogy. Oh my word. Horrendous. Bye.